Well, we're going to do something different over the next couple of weeks as we uh, think about uh, the, the things that are going on in our world right now. Over Nearly 11,000 athletes will gather or have gathered in Beijing. Some have already lost and are on their way home, uh, but others are still there contending for medals, trying to get medals, and trying to be champions in their, in their field of expertise. And uh, Lori and I will fill up our DVR over the next few weeks uh, just watching the different events that we enjoy watching so much. How many of y'all have already watched part of the Olympics? Opening assembly or, or whatever, opening ceremony? Okay, great. So it's already kind of in, in, in the air. But you know, as we think about it over the next couple of weeks, we're also going to take a time and we're going to look at champions. Champions, how they're made, what happens to make a champion, and to really realize that this place that we gather in, that we call Grace Point uh, Church, a family, is really has champions inside of it as well. Uh, and over the next few weeks, you're going to get to meet some of the champions of Grace Point. And not to say that these are the only champions of Grace Point, but these are just some of the champions in their respective areas. Next week, we're going to look at a champion in business. And another, there's just different champions that we're going to look at, champion teachers uh, and so forth, that we'll have over the next couple of weeks that are right here that make up Grace Point Church and try to introduce you to them. I want to introduce you to some athletic champions today uh, in, in, the, in the area of fitness. Now, this is Britton Melvie Smith. They're members of Grace Point Church. And are you all nervous at all? Not really? Not really? Okay, good, good. Well, they're, they're brave. They're fine. And I want you to tell us kind of um, what you all do on a regular basis and kind of how you got into that. I'll let you all decide who it's going to be that goes first. Well, I, I guess started out thinking, you know, nursing school. I went through most of nursing school and decided, you know, after hospital rounds and all that, that it just was miserable being so stagnant in that end of where people become, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, I hated to exit it because it, you know, felt like quitting. But I went through American oh. College of Sports Medicine and um, got my uh, – training um, certification and at that time we were moving out to Los Angeles and so he was pursuing um, some entertainment stuff and um, it was a good place to start training as well and so that was 13 years ago and so we spent the first eight years you know out in Los Angeles uh, training and um, personal training and then moved back here I worked for the Walmart Fitness Center for about four years and then just last April we um, opened our own um, private personal training gym and we've been there all right so how how long have y'all been in personal physical training uh, training other people 13 years for me I'm about 11 years about 11 years and you you pursued this film career and even uh, even made a film out in California. Yes. Um, I, I've got, uh, is this on? Can yeah, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got sort of an odd resume. <laughs> um, it's uh, what I've done for, uh, for almost all my prof- professional life is training. Okay. I've been a trainer. Um, during that time, I also, and the thing that most people are interested in and they think is cool is the fighting thing. I've fought in some form or another most of my life. Um, I fought at the highest levels of amateur boxing and um, fought professionally in submission grappling and MMA, your ultimate fighting. Okay. And um, also, in 2000, I wrote and produced that movie, Straight Right, and it ended up being 
um, it was blessed and ended up being one of the most successful independent films of 2000. Okay, great. So you have been fighting and even in a film fighting and different things like that, right. been doing that personal training and so forth. Now you're also training people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you're training fighters who, yes. who are in, in this. Uh, I ask you kind of both because you're, you're training so many different people and to different levels. Uh, I think you mentioned Miss Arkansas. You've trained and you've done different training. Now, I say all that to build up because it, it, it has a very important play in this. If you're going to train somebody to be a champion, and you've told me about some of your fighters recently that were, were in competition and basically obliterated the people on the other side. Yeah, yeah. And now, and we're not talking about advocating. Okay, we're not fighting here, okay? But, but, but we're about training here. It's a sport, okay? All right. We're not going to throw down here. Uh, but let's, let's think about that for just a moment because I want you to think, what does it take to train a champion? This, this is interesting because a champion has to, do, has to have a couple of qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but one thing that, that every champion has to have mm-hmm. is a champion behind them, someone championing them, okay. which is usually their trainer. Okay. Right? There's two definitions yeah. there for a champion. Okay. champion has to have a champion. You cannot do it on your own. No. Why not? I mean, if I have enough determination, I can't do nothing. Because, and you know, it, it, it kind of stinks that I, that I came to this realization after I was kind of forced into retirement from a neck injury. And it kind of stinks that I came to this realization after I'm done. But um, I, I think you and I talked about this maybe mm-hmm. a week or two ago. Um, what has to happen in training for, whether it's for a figure competition or if it's for a fight or what, what, whatever it is someone's training for, they will eventually reach a point where it becomes too much for them. Mm-hmm. And they want to quit. Their mind tells them to quit? Their body tells them to their quit? Their mind tells them to quit. Their body can keep going, but they don't believe that it can. Okay. And what, they, what has to happen is at that point, they'll either have to give themselves up. They reach a breaking point. They'll have to give themselves up to their champion, or they're going to quit. Because literally their body or their mind is saying, you're killing yourself? Yeah, their mind is saying, this, this is stupid, you can't do this. Okay. How do you push somebody through that wall? You know what? It takes, it takes two, I shouldn't say two, I'm going to say two because I'm thinking about what happened with my, my two guys that just fought a couple weeks ago. Um, it looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does. Um, it's what brings them there, what they need from me. Uh, everything about it, it looks different, and I think it looks different each time as, as I think back. Um, but it's... Uh, do I have time to tell that one story? Go ahead. Okay. Um, I have to cut my Sherman's sermon the, the, short. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the thing that, um, that happened most, most recently is, is both, both my fighters, they're, they're both fighting on the same card, and they both had very tough fights. And um, they had both already reached that breaking point. And you can, even people that reach that breaking point may not give themselves over, and they might make it all the way to the competition, but there's no real telling what's going to, anything can happen in a fight or a competition anyway, but, you know, it's kind of up in the air what's going to happen. But I know, like people ask me, are they ready? Yeah, they're ready. Because I knew that they had both reached this breaking point and had broken and given themselves up to me. 
And so I knew they were probably going to win their fight, no matter who they were up against. And the interesting thing, after they had broken, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, because if they hadn't reached a breaking point, and when it got to this point in their training, they would have quit. And they were fighting. And they, something that happened is their next to last, to last the hardest day. And they were going full MMA, just full on kicks, punches, grappling, everything. And one of them had um, gotten a rush of adrenaline or something. And they just, all of a sudden, in the, in the middle of the fight, both of them started banging, just toe-to-toe, just throwing as hard as they could. And one of them shot for a takedown with the ground. They're grappling, just moving everywhere. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, my gosh, you know, because they, <laughs> they had taken it up from you know, 80, which is here, to about 200. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared because I don't want to get hurt. And, and then they're just going at it like I've never even seen in a fight. And this goes on for like a minute. And being engaged in combat with another man is exhausting anyway, much less when they were doing what they were doing. And, and they, they made it back up their feet, and they stood there for a second. And I'm just in shock watching them, not sure if I should step in or not. And <laughs> Clay goes, I love you, man. Rocky goes, I love you. And they tear right into each other again, <laughs> you know. But they were committed. I wanted to cry. It was so beautiful. But, and I know that, 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 that they did too. But they, if, if they hadn't reached that breaking point, it wouldn't have ever made it that far. So you're telling me that pushing through this wall, you said it twice. I used the phrase giving over yourself. Yes, yes. Absolutely vital. Absolute, training a champion. Absolutely vital. How important is discipline? Melody, answer this. How important is discipline? You train women, you train men. How important is just personal discipline in a person? And, you know, discipline is something you wish as a trainer mm-hmm. you could have more to do with. You know, mm-hmm. you yeah. wish that you could instill that. I mean, once you have someone giving over the control and this is what you need to do and they're following it methodically or whatever, um, you know, that choice of discipline before you can really get to that point as well. And um, you can want it, you can go for it, and um, but without that. And, you know, something, you know, to add to the, the breaking point is also just, you know, I've had um, some training experience with Brent as far as, you know, preparing him for fights and things, is not only do people need push through a wall of, oh, I can't do it anymore, I'm exhausted. They also need reins pulled back, mm-hmm. balance brought into their life mm-hmm. because they have fully gone overboard, overtrained, mm-hmm. compulsions in themselves to the point where they're no good mm-hmm. themselves to their um, passion that they are, you know, pursuing you know, Brent will overtrain, you know, left to his own. There are people out there who won't stop, who won't be moderate, who won't do it in an effective way. We're not looking for how much energy you can expel. Mm-hmm. What's effective and what's effective for you and what's effective today is different than maybe what's effective tomorrow. Maybe you're having an off day. Maybe you've got an injury. Maybe, you know, it's, it's every day. Where are you? And that, the, the, the progress. You know, and that comes, you know, from, I mean, discipline is the moment to me. What do you mean the moment? What's that? Discipline is right now. I can't, I can't discipline myself, you know, if it's, if it's diet, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I, can, I can only discipline myself right here at this meal, you know. Mm-hmm. When I start thinking about how hungry I am for this meal okay. and this is all I have, and then, my, you know, it, you lose it. It unravels. Mm-hmm. And so for training, um, you know, to think about that you've got six weeks left and you're already beat and you're, you know, if you're dropping weight, you're, you know, or if you're overtrained or whatever, it's going to be, you know, too much to bear if you know that you have this amount of time left and you look at it in that regard. There's so many times, you know, in personal life and physical training that if I knew mm-hmm. how long it was going to take, if I knew how hard it was going to be, yeah. I, I would have had to have given up. So it's being disciplined in the moment that you're living, oh. at the meal that you're sitting down at, at the opportunity at, to exercise, whatever it is. That's it. That's it because it's too much. It's too much otherwise. Awesome. Awesome. You know? Thank you all for sharing so much. I want to pray for you all because you all have a tremendous impact on people's lives, their bodies, and how that affects them and, and just how they see life. And uh, also now as believers and followers of Christ and part of our church, how you can even influence their spirit. So I want to pray for you all on that. Father, we thank You for this day and for this time and just for the opportunity to share a little bit, talk a little bit, and, Lord, reflect on what it takes to make a champion. I thank You for Brent and Melody and their opportunity to influence, impact lives where they're at, what they do. And, Father, for the insight that that we gain today, not only physically, but, Lord, there are so many parallels here to how we live out our lives spiritually. Lord, we thank You and we praise You for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, I'm enjoying the Olympics already. Him and y'all watched Michael Phelps last night uh, break a record and win a gold. All right? That was awesome. We'll be able to watch that. If you have the lights completely up so I can see, I'm, I'm talking to the, the, the people, not the shadows. That's great. Uh, take your Bibles. we find the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. We'll be there in just a moment. When you think of champions, as Brent and Melody share, as you watch it on television over the next few weeks, you'll see a Michael Phelps and they're just like, they just beat people by body length. They're so fast, they're so talented, they're so gifted in, in, in what they do. But also, when you, when you think about uh, uh, the, 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 uh, I guess the makeup of, of the American, LeBron James is one of those guys that is going to help maybe redeem uh, the, uh, the American name when it comes to the basketball court. I think about LeBron James whenever he was first drafted. One of the youngest men, if not the youngest man, ever to be drafted. And man is using that loosely because he was 18 years old, drafted straight out of high school. First round draft pick. He went the first round, an amazing individual. Nobody said anybody would ever be able to replace Michael Jordan. Maybe LeBron James will be that guy. We don't know. But before he ever even signed a contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he had already a $90 million contract. Uh, with the shoe endorsement. So he was, he was already a champion. And I can remember reading in the USA Today an, an article that kind of uh, spoke about that and how, how, how he was, was what he was and is what he is and becoming what he's becoming and they were just projecting all of this. And I just immediately thought, he is in a league of his own. I mean, he, he, he just shines above everybody else. Also, another name that kind of comes to my mind when I think about people beyond, uh, I guess, just really... They're in the league of their own is Michelle Wise 
or Weiss. Am I saying that right? Uh, you, you'll get Michelle Weiss, excuse me, who's a, who's a female golfer, and this was in the same article in, in the paper. Whenever she could, was able to hit a ball 300 yards, that's golf ball, 300 yards. She was a member of the LPGA, and she was only 13. She joined the LPGA when she was 12. Again, same article, same, I mean, not same article, but same paper. You had LeBron James at the top. You had Michelle Wee at the bottom. And immediately, both these statements came to my mind. These people are in the league of their own. They rise above the rest. They are different about them. Now, my question is, were these child prodigies? Were, were these people who, who just, they were born with this extra special talent and gift? One of the questions I meant to ask Brent Melody was, are these people born this way? Are they made? Are champions born? Are they made? And I really have not found anything conclusive that in any way you can find it in the DNA. All right? I've even had, heard of, that they froze Ted Williams' DNA in hopes that someday they would be able to, to cre- recreate a Ted Williams. If you don't know who Ted Williams is, he was a baseball player. Very good. And hopefully one day to be able to recreate him. But really, it's not in whether or not you have the right DNA of a Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or something. What is it then that makes a champion? What is it that makes a person that rises above everybody else, a LeBron James? But what about beyond that? What about champions like a Bill Gates or a Warren Buffett? How can Warren Buffett make so many great projections and buy these companies on the, on the downside and then make, turn them around and make such great profits? I mean, he would be a champion in the area of, of business. There's no doubt about that. When you think about teachers or educators, Krista McAuliffe certainly comes to my mind. The astronaut who went to outer space and ended up giving her life. What a legacy she left behind. Howard Hendricks is a professor that I've had in the past that, for so many in, in, in theological circles, Howard Hendricks has, has shaped so many people. And uh, what, what, what an amazing educator. Certainly a champion educator. What about when it comes to the religious faith? What about when it comes to your faith and practice? Billy Graham, Mother Teresa would certainly be on the tops of the list. Champions. My question for you and us throughout this time, over the next, throughout the rest of August, is are we going to be champions in our faith and in our life? And what does that take? What does that look like? Because I really don't think that I'm in a room full of mediocres, okay? We, want, we don't want mediocrity. If, you're, if you're, it's business for you, if it's technology for you, if it's education for you, if it's relationships or whatever it may be, if it's your faith, you certainly, hopefully, prayerfully, you don't want to settle for mediocrity. You will come upon walls in your faith. You'll come upon those barriers that your body's saying, stop, don't give anymore, don't do anymore. But can you push through that? Real champions will be able to do that. Hebrews chapter 12 is kind of one of those passages of Scripture that follows an even larger passage of Scripture that we will actually spend the rest of our time in, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is what some people have called the Hall of Faith. Okay, Cooperstown is the Hall of Fame for baseball. And so this is the hall of faith, the hall of faith for believers, Hebrews 11. We're going to spend the rest of August looking at some of the, I think, about 17 different names that are mentioned in the hall of faith. We're going to pick out some of them and highlight some of them because these people were evidently so much head and toes above everybody else in the faith that God inspired the writer of Hebrews to say, hey guys, let's not forget these guys. Let's learn from these men and women of the faith. 
And how can we gain and, and grow as champions in our faith? And he t- just continues to pull them back, story after story after story, bringing them back. But we're not going to begin at the beginning. We're going to begin at the end. Because the way he wraps it up is in ha- actually in Hebrews chapter 12. Because in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, You've been looking at all of these great men of the faith, but I want us to focus on the greatest man of faith of all. And that would be Jesus Christ. And so in Hebrews 12, would you follow along with me as I begin reading in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, who's he talking about? Who are these witnesses? The people that he just refers to back in chapter 11. Again, next week, come back, we'll talk about them. But he says, we've got so great a cloud of witnesses, so many people that have surrounding us, kind of setting the bar for us, setting the pace for us in life. He says, surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance that sin uh, and, and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now listen to the level of intensity. Again, He's telling us to look to Jesus. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Would you bow your heads and pray with me for just a moment? As we pray, I want you to just kind of just go inside of your heart for just a moment. Because one of the things that I hope you heard from Brenton Melody, and I hope that you'll see in this passage and in this series of messages, is that to be a champion requires tremendous determination of heart, mind, soul, and body. And if you're just going to slide in here and slide out, you're just going to kind of breeze in and breeze out for the rest of your life, into work, out of work, into church, out of church, at home, away from home, at the gym, away from the gym. And there is not inside of you this tremendous determination and discipline. You may end up settling in life for just mediocrity. For just good enough. Father God, I pray that You would open our eyes to our own hearts. Help us, Lord, right now to develop inside of ourselves a discipline, a determination, an all-out driving commitment to go beyond where we are today. It will mean a change in attitude, a change in perspective. It may mean a change in, in actions, the way we're living out our life. It may mean it will mean a change in probably multiple areas of our life. But Lord, if we just keep settling, we will never rise to the level of the Moses and the Abrahams and the Rahabs that we see in Hebrews 11. God, make this a church of champions. 
Let there be a distinguishing mark about us. We're not champions to our own glory, but champions to You, Lord. Lord, help us right now to see deeply in this passage and see deeply in our own hearts where we stand with You. Lord, we bless You, we praise You, we honor You right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. He's told us to glance and to look at these surrounding witnesses, these great people of the faith in chapter 11. Chapter 12, though, He's now telling us to focus. Focus on Christ. Let Him really be the one who you're looking at. So I want us to jot down three disciplines that I think are vitally important that are brought out in this passage of Scripture that will help us if we discipline ourselves living through that wall that we spoke of earlier, going through that wall, if we can do that, we might be able to achieve that championship status in God's eyes because at the end of the day, He will be the judge at the end of it all. The first discipline that I think is vitally important that you see in here is that we need to lighten your load. Sometimes we just need to lighten our load. I I realize that we're living in a day when we're overworked, we're overburdened, we're overloaded, we're overwhelmed, we're overcommitted, we're, we're, we're overextended financially, times-wise. We are so much over, and people who are over need to have a different word in their life. They need to replace the over word with the R-E word. And this is the way, the way um, Stephen Farrar says it in his book, Overcoming Overload. He says, overloaded people need words that begin with R-E. Words like restore, revive, recover, recline, reflect, relax, replenish, and renew. I want to add one more word to that, and that is release. There are times in our life because we are so weighted down with so much of life and stuff and material and debt and and, and feelings and attitudes that we really can't move forward. And there needs to be a release. There needs to be some letting go of some things in our life. And he mentions it right here in this passage. He tells us that we need to let go of some things. There are two loads that we need to release out of our lives. The first thing is the things that hold you down. What is holding you down in your life? He mentions it right there. You might underscore the word. He says, lay aside every encumbrance. Anything that's holding you down, the heavyweight encumbrance that's tied around you, that's keeping you from being everything that you should be, we get encumbrances in life when we extend ourselves in our time. We we have encumbrances in our life when we're extended out financially where we can no longer do what God would really want us to do. You take, for example, I have heard multiple times people say, I can't go on a mission trip because... And I realize that it's very costly to go around the world and to do ministry around the world. But then the amazing thing is there is enough money for Disney World or for the new boat or the new car or the new whatever. It really comes down to where, what's weighting you down, what's holding you back, what keeps you from being a champion in the world of grappling will be maybe sometimes a few pounds. What is holding you down, weighting you down, keeping you back? If you look at, and for your own time, jot this passage down. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. Read that story for yourself because Jesus encounters some guys along the way. One guy wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus said, listen, I don't have a place to lay my head. I don't have a home. I don't have a palace. I don't have anything. And so all of a sudden, this guy backs off. 
See, this guy, he was overloaded with what he wanted in comforts, in fame. And so he wasn't going to follow Jesus because Jesus didn't have a place to lay his head. Another person Jesus invited to follow him, he says, I've I got to go to a funeral. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. This guy was overloaded with time commitments. He had to go to the funeral. The dead person didn't even, wouldn't even know if he was there or not. But he had to go to the funeral. All right? So he's overloaded with his time. There was another person who, who came along and, and wanted to follow Jesus, or Jesus invited to follow him, but, but he couldn't go because he had to go say bye to his family. Again, overloaded, overcommitted, over. And we need to release things from our life that are keeping us from being everything that God intended us to be. Is your work keeping you too busy that you cannot meet with a group of guys or women and pray? Is your work, is your home, and your home so nice that it keeps you so busy maintaining the landscape and the stuff around you that you no longer have time for other people? Is your schedule too full that you no longer have time? There was an Olympic athlete one time who won a gold medal, and a few years later he was relishing and living in that gold medal status. And as he was living and speaking and eating and drinking and partying and enjoying that gold medal status, he was then put back on the starting blocks and asked to run in a race for charity. When he ran in the race, they knew that he would blow all the competition away, that nobody could beat him. He was the gold medal Olympic winner. He, he would blow everybody away. But he came in like third or fourth. It was an embarrassment to him because his competition was like high school and college kids. No way can you beat me. But they beat him. The problem is, is he said, I beat myself. I put on too much weight. I got out of the discipline of taking care of myself. He became his own encumbrance. What's keeping you back? What's God asking you to give, go, do, be, whatever, that you can't do it because you've got excuses? See, the greatest encumbrance is really excuses. I can't do this right now. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. Be warned. It will hold you back. But also things that will hold you back, things that will hold you down. And he also says this, look at in, in this passage. He says, lay aside every encumbrance, the weights that are holding you, holding you, holding you down, and the sin that easily entangles. Now he gives a different word picture. The idea is to weave something into something else. When you become a part of something that you're that, that, that no longer or, or should you be a part of. And you need to separate yourself out. There needs to be a difference in your life. Can the world look at you and see that there is a clear marked difference in your life? You know, the idea of entanglement there is even used in Second Timothy chapter two, verse four, when he says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. There's something about a focusedness, about letting go of things out of our life that so we are now free to become everything that God intended us to become. So that we can now become what God... If we'll let go of the things that are holding us down, let go of the things that are holding us back, then we can move forward. Who do you look more like? Christ or your buddies at the office? Now... I'm not saying that we segregate ourselves from this world, but really, is there a marked difference in the way you interact and the way you engage people? You know, there's, there's one thing about this is that there's no, no disputing what you look like in your character. 
and how it matches up with other people. I, I think about a picture of, uh, of, of, of myself uh, when I was a child, and then you look at a picture of, of Caleb, or excuse me, Joshua, and we look exactly the same. Well, you know what? It makes sense. I, my DNA is woven into his DNA. My question is, is, is Christ woven into you or is the world woven into you? Don't entangle yourself in the world. Don't get too caught up in the world that you cannot be free to become that, that, that champion that God wants you to become. Yogi Berra, Hall of Fame uh, catcher for the Yankees, said it like this, you've got to be careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. In a typical Yogi Berra fashion, you say, what? What? What is he saying? You might just end up where you don't want to end up if you're not careful. Be careful what you're weaving into the fabric of your life and your attitudes and your perspectives. Let loose of some of the load. The second thing that I think we need to see is that perseverance when times are severe because we have to push through that wall of pain. We have to push through that, that difficulty. I want you to classify yourself for just a moment. If you have your notes, there's some circle, there's some words out there. I want you to kind of classify yourself. Where are you at in your faith today? Are you crawling? Are you walking? Are you jogging? Are you running? Are you injured? Or are you asleep? Where are you in your faith? Circle that. Because there will be walls that you will face. It's not going to always be easy. It's going to be difficult. Giving is never easy. Alright? Serving is time consuming. It causes you to get out of bed. It causes you to be more faithful. There is an, an absolute lackadaisicalness about the Christian faith in America. Again, the consumerism. I want to go and consume, but I don't want to go and contribute. Really persevering through the difficulties is really the way that Jesus lived out. It's the way that we should live out. Amos 6.1 says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. We need to realize that there is an easiness about us, but we need to be also be careful that we are not being disciplined enough to push through that. The word here again, if you go back to the verse, in verse uh, 1, he says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, lay aside the encumbrances and the sin which so easily entangles. Let us run with endurance. Run with endurance. The word there is agon, or the run, the race with endurance. The word there is agon, which means agony. There will be agony in this whole pursuit and following after God. Boris Becker at 17 years of age, the youngest player ever to win at Wimbledon said it like this. He says, I never give up. I never give up in a match, in a game, or when going after a shot, I never give up. You know, there will be difficulty in following Christ. It will cost you. It will not always be one of those things that will be really easy. But I want you to notice the life of Christ. That Jesus didn't like His task, but He completed it with joy. Look at me at verse 2. He says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of the faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. Did Jesus like the cross? No, it meant death. But for the joy set before Him. You do things because, not because you want to sometimes, you do things because your faith requires it. You know, we, we must learn that it's beyond what's comfortable for us. It's what we need to do. If you're going to be a champion in the ring or you're going to be a champion model or whatever it is, you don't do what becomes easy. You do what you need to do because you want a certain result. 
Jesus went to the cross and He endured the cross, but He had joy about it. And Jesus didn't limit His faith to what was easy. Verse 3 and 4 says it like this, For consider Him who endured such hostility by sinners against Himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There are many times that it's easy to lose heart. Verse 4 says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, striving against sin. There's no limit. Don't stop. Keep pushing through. Keep pushing through. Keep pushing through. And it will not be easy and you will hit walls and you will fall on your face, but keep on. Get up and go again. I've heard people say that I thought that when I gave my life to Christ and started following Him, it would all fall into place, but it hasn't. And the great thing is I'm able to hopefully talk to those people, talk it through and say, yeah, you're right, it didn't, but God gave me the strength to get through it. Persevere when times are severe. Keep right on. Let the agony be there. Let, run the race. When the, when the commitment to, 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 to give, give and push through the pain. When, when serve, serve. When it means to go to, to a foreign land, eat foreign food, go. Persevere. Go through that difficulty, that agony. If you don't, you may not make it as a champion. I think about in 1954 when the Reds and the Chicago, oh, excuse me, the Atlanta Braves met in the game opening, uh, season opening game of that year. Whenever green grass for the, for, the, for the Reds stepped up to the plate four different times and he was a rookie, it was his rookie year and he stepped, stepped up to the plate and four different times, he was four for four, he hit four doubles. On the very first game, I mean, they're talking rookie of the year, this guy. He is going to be the, the best player, and they're already talking about it. Well, the Braves also had a rookie on that same day that stepped up to the plate. He went 0 for 4. His name was Hank Aaron. They weren't talking about him being rookie of the year that day. See, you can go up like a rocket and come down like a rock. But what really shows the life of a champion is a person who will go the distance, who will go through the highs and the lows, the mountains and the valleys, the good and the bad. People come following Christ whenever times get rough, but they'll leave Him when times get good. Real champions persevere through times are severe. You just keep going. You keep serving. You keep giving. You keep doing. You keep whatever it is that God's calling you. Keep it. Keep on doing it. And don't stop. And don't quit. And don't give up. It means we're going to have to lighten our load some. It means we're going to have to Persevere when times are severe. Here's the, here's the message out of verse 3. I love this, this translation. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over the story again. Item by item, the long litany of hostility He plowed through. Jesus plowed through it. He went to the cross. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Whenever you think you're going to quit on God, just plow through. Think about what Jesus did. He endured the cross. He didn't look back. He kept going. He did it because He loved us. He did it without limits. He did it, and He did it for us. Let Him be our example. A real champion is a person who will persevere through that. But we also need to see where we need to fix our focus. That's the last part of the last discipline, but He says it right here. He says it quite clearly in verse 2. He says, Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus.
the author and the perfecter of the faith. You know, one of the things that convinced me that I needed to interview uh, Brent and Melody was a statement that they made to me the other day. That they talked about how if they're really going to have a champion, that champion needs to reach a point where they give themselves over. If they're really going to get in shape, let's, let's forget wrestling. They're just going to get in shape. They're just going to lose some pounds and tone the body. If they're really going to do it, they're going to have to give themselves over to them. And the problem is, in our world and in our faith, we don't like that. We like being our own masters, our own bosses, our own lords, our own chiefs. And we don't want any squalls. We don't want to be a squall. We don't want to be anybody telling us what to do. Well, you know what? When we fix our eyes on Jesus, no longer is it about us. It's about Him. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of the faith. You want to know really how you, you ought to live in life? Get with the one who authored life. You really want to know how to live in life? Get with the one who's perfected life. Fix your eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of the faith. There was a violinist who did a concert one day in a concert hall. Hundreds of people filled up the hall. This person stood there and did their concert and their solo, and it was beautiful. Everybody at the end, just about everybody in the room, just immediately stood to their feet, were clapping, uh, standing ovation. The violinist bowed, backed away, began to cry, and walked off stage. When he got off stage, he was very upset, and the stagehand says, What is wrong with you? He says, Everybody loved you, wants you to come back for an encore. He says, I'm not going back. He says, I'm not happy with the way I did. He said, Why? He said, Everybody loved you. He says, You see that person on the front row? That person is my coach. And I can read their eyes and I can know they're not happy with me. You know, at the end of my life, it really doesn't matter what you think. It really doesn't matter what Lori thinks. It doesn't matter what my kids think. It really doesn't matter what the author and the perfecter of my life thinks. Will Jesus look at Mike McDaniel and will he say, Good job, Mike. You kept the faith. You didn't waver. You had integrity. You had character. You, you, you got rid of the things that were encumbering you. You got rid of the things that were entangling you. You got rid of those things and you are really my child. Thank you. Welcome in. I hope at the end I get a standing ovation. But really what I want is I want Jesus to stand and welcome me in with a standing ovation. I want to be a champion for Christ. I know I can't do it if I entangle myself in this world. I know I can't do it if I'll not persevere. I know I can't do it unless I keep my eyes focused on Him. Would you pray with me? Who are you playing for today? Who are you living for today? You know, we celebrate life because Jesus paid it all and we're going to sing that for just a moment. But I really want you to be able to answer the question before we go any further. Who are you living for, playing for, 
competing for whatever it is. Is it for you? Is it for your own gain? Is it for your own resume? Is it for your own sense of accomplishment? Or is Jesus the author and the perfecter of your own faith? Father God, we bow before you now and we ask that your amazing grace would fill this place. And that, Father, we would not be mediocre followers of you. God, help us to want champion for you. No playing games, Lord. Sold out, 100%, unentangled, unhindered. Lord, you modeled for us the way we ought to live. When you paid with your blood on the cross for our lives, model what it means to live a life of champion. You are the author. You are the perfecter of our faith. Lord, I pray right now we will just take a few moments and reflect upon You. Take a few moments and really align ourselves to letting You be the one that we're living for. You are the audience of one. We bless You. We praise You in Jesus' name.